Yeah. If they make the playoffs, you'll kiss my feet. We already did that last year. I will do it again. Okay? <laughs> if they make the playoffs, I will kiss your feet. Okay. Part two. Okay? Neither of us want this. I don't know. Like Even the homies are like, no, we don't want to see that again. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? I will not be kissing any feet this year. That's not going to happen. All right? It's What the Fuck Happened Wednesday. It's AKA Treasure Hunters. Mm-hmm. We're going to hit it all. We're going to tell you everything you need to know. Ahmed Farid is here. Yep. He has a gross purple energy drink with yep. him today. He's got a big day today. He's big got Premier day. League uh, TV talk later on today. I do. Maybe that should be the bet. What? Maybe the bet should be like if that team, I think we were talking about the Steelers again, which yeah. maybe we need to find a new team because it's not going to happen, okay? <laughs> no. It's not happening. We don't want it to happen. <laughs> maybe yeah. that should be the bet. I have to drink one of your oh. shitty energy drinks. Ooh, like chug it. Uh, I, I guess chug it. Well, let's I do die that. with all the chemicals in that thing. We'll find will you won't okay? die. I'm still no? alive. You're still alive so far. Do you chug them though? I don't, don't chug, chug them. them. <laughs> I've never chugged them. That's right. a good call. Yeah. <laughs> if you chug it, it might be the end. Uh, yeah. No, we should do that. We'll pick right. a team. Okay. All right. Let's do that next week. We'll yeah. pick a team. Right. Kissing feet is out because when I brought that up, I immediately regretted it. Yeah, I was like, oh, right. no, I don't I want know. that. It's one of those things you don't want that. Right. No one wants to see it out there. No. I don't know. They might want to see me kiss like no. your your especially like your foot like bear. <laughs> they might want to see that. It's kind of gross. Well, who I'm sure wants... you get a little hair on your no, feet too. No, no. See, we're not. See, this is why we're going to the energy. We're going drink, to the energy. Right? Drink? Yeah, we're going right. to the energy drink so right here. You go... No one even wants to think that. You just made people picture that, and so it's bad. It's okay. Bad. Okay. Yeah, all right. All right. We, we apologize for Does that. Does the hair on your feet have <laughs> grays like your? Let's start it again. <laughs> James back there today. Let's just start the podcast again. Uh, wait. So wait. But what if I won? something and we had to make you do I know. something what would that be i know i think i feel like it's the the homies would want to hear you swear like if there was some team that i said is gonna make the yes. playoffs and you're like no way yes and you're like i'll swear i feel like we i feel like we made a similar bet like this before i forget what it was well we about, talked but about we, making this a thing we need to do things. it okay okay next right. next pod will will solidify these bets and pete says maybe there's a charity element involved and Pete also says maybe there's a T-shirt involved too. No, so not. you know, there's liar, still, liar. Still That's where I draw the line. Lying. <laughs> and I mean, really, when's the last time you actually swore? I do. You I do? actually. I don't want it to seem like I don't swear. Okay. I do swear. I, I don't really hear you say. I've it. sworn in this building. I don't do it very often. Yeah. But I haven't on air ever in my life. Right. I so, got you. Yeah, I don't want to pretend. I like haven't I'm heard you ever say it in in life in general. Very rare. It's right. very rare. What's the word you usually go with? Shit. I'll do an S or an F. You're uh, little, every oh, once in a while. The F out there too. I'll throw an F out there. S and F. <laughs> Sunday night shit yeah. and fuck. Imagine that. Imagine, oh, yeah. imagine if that was the imagine if that was the first time I ever did it, like doing a football night in America just for some crazy uh, reason. That would be drop. the one you'd, you'd, you'd actually might get fired. As <laughs> yeah. much as they love you here, you might be get the fired. Bad one. I do it one time, get fired. Uh, all right, so we got a lot to get to here. You wouldn't you wouldn't know it by uh, the amount of time we just Not spent us. talking about all that. Uh, Chiefs and Bills, but this is, yeah, treasure hunters. We look for things that maybe we didn't see the first time. You look deeper. We're looking for hidden treasures, things that surprise us, things that didn't uh, appear to us or, or weren't obvious when we watched the game on Sunday. But now we're smarter for seeing it. Chiefs, Bills, we got Falcons, 49ers, Jets, Packers, Patriots, Browns, Ravens, Giants, and more. We're going to look at some stats and seeing which stats are lying to us and Ooh. which ones are telling us the truth. Ooh, I like he. We got the Big Butt Awards. We have the Peter, Peter, Peter Punt Awards. 
All that coming up. So we got a lot here. Yeah. Okay. Fill up your coffee yep. because it's going to be. Here we a, go. It's going to be a long one. Take a drink of your energy drink. And I, okay, I will once you start talking. All right, let's get into <laughs> our first one here. The game of the week. Yep. Um, what else can we learn from this game? And what else did we learn from this game? I, I think we should start with the defensive side. Yeah. Because this is like one of those games where it's like you got Superman. You got looking at another Superman or Spider-Man pointing at the other Spider-Man. Right. And so who better to figure out a way to stop the other team than the other team? It's like if you have Josh Allen, you might know how to stop a Josh sure, Allen type sure. or a Patrick Mahomes type and vice versa. So defensively yeah. and what these two teams have figured out, because it wasn't the 45-45 game that I think some people thought maybe we could see. Right. The defenses held their own. How did they do that? What was their game plan? And how did they hold Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen to lower than 30 yeah. points? Yeah, well, I mean, you could say what you want, right? I mean, the, the the game plans, I think, were right on both sides of the ball. They might not have been perfect. There might have been a player call, play call here or there where you go, well, why would you call that in this situation? But, you know, something like I said to you before the pod, I mean, it, the, the Bills had 17 points with a minute and 40 seconds left in the game. Yeah. Uh, if that's not a good defensive performance, then I don't know what is. He's the, the toughest quarterback to stop in football right now. So there was a lot of positives on both sides of the ball. And it's something I brought up last week a little bit. And I, I can't remember if I said it on the pod or if, if I uh, said it on the matchup pod with Floria. But I just said, I, you know, it wouldn't shock me with these two defensive minds who are creative. And, of course, these teams have seen each other a lot over the last few years where they might have some tricks for the other one and go, wait, we, we know what they like to do in this situation or in this formation. And we can, you know, devise a defense off of that. I think here's the biggest thing. If I had to make a theme overall, right, and we'll talk about the quarterbacks and how awesome they are and all that, is that it was almost like a role reversal as far as the defenses were concerned as compared to the last four matchups before this. Where in years past, it was the Bills who had to make up for deficiencies in the matchup. And... You know, like you've heard me say a number of times this year, Matt Milano at the line of scrimmage, Trey Edmonds at the line of scrimmage. We're, we're disguising this so hard, and then we're going to drop off and do this just because if we just play normal defense, we're not good enough to beat you, and you're going to just pick us apart and have all day. And that, that, that team that used to be able to just go, we're going to kind of play safe and normal defense, used to be Kansas City mm-hmm. in this matchup. And it was Buffalo who had to do all the creative, crazy, crazy shit and kind of compromise themselves a little bit. This was the first time in this matchup where I watched it and I went, oh, it was the other way around. Hmm. There was one team that could not just sit back and play normal or they would have got absolutely torched and they would have lost the game and we would have had a 45-point showing. And then there was the other team in the Bills with now their new defense and what they have where they got to do what Kansas City's done the last two years and go, eh, we don't need to do anything crazy. We're just going to be smart and sound and you know we can get after the quarterback with four and we're just going to – Make you be patient and do all that. So I think that would be my big overall theme. And the cool thing about it is the game didn't start that way on either side of the ball. It's like they both started opposite of how they wanted to do, right? The Bills started the game kind of like I was like, whoa, they're kind of playing aggressive and man-to-man, and they're like in their face. And then after like the first drive or two, it was like, okay, that was just – we were just kidding. We mm-hmm. don't really want to do that. And then the Chiefs, on the other hand, the first few drives were like – Oh, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to play cover two against you guys, and we're going to take away the big play. But then it was like all of a sudden in the middle of drive three, they realized, like, that ain't going to work. Buffalo's going to run all over us, and he's patient, and he'll throw it underneath. And they were like, okay, let's go to, you know, the let's let's hit the, the red button here and go to the real game plan. 
And that's where they started to do, you know, blitzes and, and be creative that way. And I yeah. think they had to when it was all said and done. You know, so that that would be the overall thing there. And I don't know where you want to start, Bills O, Chiefs D, or the other side there. Let's start uh, Bills D. Bills because D. Because they, they won this game ultimately. Yeah. And you noted in your notes right. that this might be the first time that you have seen the Bills do this specific thing against anybody or just against Patrick Mahomes? Well, you're talking about the end of the half there or the end of the game? Second as as, half. Oh, second half. Yes. The three-man rush. The three-man rush quarterback spy. How, be, how rare is this? Well, it, it's I don't really see the Bills really ever do it. Yes. I don't. You know, And, I, again, I'd have to go back and watch maybe film against uh, – you know, they might have done it once or twice against the, the Ravens, if I remember correctly. And they got burned by it, actually. Um, but Just because it gives the quarterback too much time? It or? gives the quarterback too much time. Sometimes when it's a three-man rush and it is a guy like Lamar Jackson, just the gaps are too big. So it's like he makes one guy miss. And, oh, yeah, you have a spy, but right. he's one-on-one -on -one with Lamar Jackson and there's, you know, 40 yards of space. Like, Lamar's going to win as awesome as Matt Milano is. You know, uh, Mahomes... We know a great runner, slippery, but he wants to move within the pocket behind the line of scrimmage and make throws. And, yeah, it was the end of the third quarter. That's when I first saw it. And, yes, they got to a three-man rush when they got them in some obvious passing situations. And, really, I got to think they stole this from the Bengals in the AFC Championship game last hmm. year, where three-man rush, different coverages behind it each time, and having a guy more times than not they had Von Miller take the inside rush as the left end, if you're looking at the defense, the right to the offense, and kind of come inside and make an inside pass rush to then flush Mahomes out, like on the last interception of the game. And now he thinks, oh, wait, I'm going to get outside the pocket. I got all day here. And no, Bills are like, no, we got Matt Milano. He is waiting for Vaughn to make this move so then he could kind of fill in hmm. and pressure you to, oh, gosh, I got to make the throw now. I thought I was going to have all day here. And that was definitely an interesting wrinkle that was nowhere to be found really in the first three quarters until I think it was like the last drive of the third quarter and then sprinkled in, like I said, in some of those obvious past situations. That's interesting. All right, so let's take a look at, James, yeah. I think we have a uh, graphic on – the Bills and when they blitzed and when they did not blitz and how Patrick Mahomes handled that in this game because I want to identify what they did with the blitz because it worked against Patrick Mahomes and a lot of times you've said against Patrick Mahomes against Josh Allen don't blitz right. you know they're gonna they're gonna be able to find the open man just right. keep the guys in coverage because they're gonna be able to be slippery enough elusive enough to get away from the blitz but you can see here when Patrick Mahomes was blitzed by the Bills he was three of nine just twenty six yards no touchdowns yeah. It was effective. It was effective. Wasn't much. It was tactical. It was just a, hey, we haven't done it in a while. I don't want them to get in a total rhythm of what we're doing. And, you know, let's bring this guy off. Let's bring the nickel guy off the edge. Or, okay, let's let's shoot the, you know, the backer through a gap here. But it was it was not the overall theme of the game. It was just, again, a, let's find a moment every now and then to break a tendency Okay, now's the moment. We haven't pressured in eight, ten plays. Let's do it now. And yeah, that that so they were they were more coverage, coverage, coverage throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And as they always do, they're tactical, they're smart, Leslie Frazier and McDermott. And they just found their moments where they felt like, okay, we got a good feel for what they like to do in this moment here. Now let's bring it and see if we can't force the issue a little bit. Because you know that they don't have to blitz to get pressure. They, they do don't not. have to do it against the Chiefs, at least in this game. And 
Nine times it was the whole game? Is that what I saw Nine times the whole game. And I was going to say it was like two or three in the whole first half, which is definitely a different, you know, approach for them as as compared to years past. Chiefs offensive line, problems there? Well, not problems. I'm not worried about the Chiefs offensive line as much as I just think the Bills D-line is real. I do. You know, again, Chiefs, I don't think it was their best game, but I didn't come away just going, oh, man, this guy just – getting killed or abused. They just kind of as a, as a unit altogether going, this Buffalo crew was real when they got Ed Oliver in there, you know, along with Vaughn and Rousseau, I mean, they, they can do whatever they want and they always have fresh bodies there. You know, if there's a weak link to the, the chiefs, it is their right side of their offensive line. But you know, that was, that was the big thing too is, you know, they couldn't run the ball on that group either. You know, in years past, too, they've been able to rely on, oh, you're going to play all this cover two and do all this, and they would sprinkle in the run and be quite effective. That wasn't a real thing in this football game. Almost at so all. So yeah. that was, yeah, that was, and, and I think they realized that pretty early. They were like, oh, we're not going to be able to move this group, and especially when it's Phillips, Ed Oliver, Rousseau, and Von Miller, or whoever else. But Von Miller, again, for the second week in a row, Really, or not the second week in a row for really the a bunch of weeks in a row, but I, this game, the Rams game, you know, his ability to win one on one pass rush moves in moments at the end of the game when you know teams have to throw the football, it's it's showing. Damn, was that a good signing? I mean, he still looks phenomenal and uh, really played a, a really good game. But you know, for like I said, I just want to hit on this: a uh, lot of two shell the whole game for the most part. You know, we saw the nine blitzes out of how many, you know, attempts overall. But and then, you know, it's it's great disguises. And the one of the new in vogue things in the NFL is disguise and get to Tampa, too, in some really unique ways. They're very good at that. And then they sprinkled in, hey, wait, it looks like it's going to be Tampa, too. Oh, no, it's two man. Oh, we might do Tampa, two again. And that would be quarter, quarter, half. So different versions of the two shell too, to where Reed and Biennemi can't just go. Oh, it's Tampa two. It's Tampa. It's a Tampa two game. Let's go to those plays on our play sheet. And that's where again that the sprinkling of that, yeah. an occasional blitz. Oh wait, now we're at the end of the game. Three man pressure. That was just enough to get them over the edge and and give the the Chiefs problems throughout the day. You were impressed with how they played some man to man early here, and you were impressed with Kyrie Elam. Too, with the interception. He popped. That that was a a huge play. I mean, again, Mahomes threw two interceptions. The last one's certainly on him. The first one, he was doing Mahomes things. He threw a perfect ball. He did. And the ball was going to be right in Valdez Scantling. I think that was Valdez Scantling's hands. I mean, it it wasn't his hands. His hands were up in the air in the catching position, and the ball was going to go right in there. But Elam, who... Had some somebody underneath, and I can't remember exactly who. Uh, it was Sky Moore. I wrote it in my notes. Good thing I wrote that. He was kind of on Sky Moore, and Mahomes sees that. And then as he's getting ready to throw, Elam, of course, I think can see his eyes and his body language. He's going. He's not going to throw to my guy. He's going to try to throw to somebody behind. It. And he fell off. And he made a great play. He's a bigger corner. And uh, of course, that was a, a huge part in the game. Because they had a chance after the Bills had just gone down and squandered their little pitch play, McKenzie fumble, you know, to jump up seven nothing and, and kind of get early control of the football game. Yeah. On the flip side, you noted that the Chiefs were not afraid to let their corners be in some tough man-to-man situations right. in this game. They had some trust with yes, those guys. They and did. You said they, for the most part, they had a, they had a pretty good game against Josh Allen. 
held them uh, down to 17 points until the final minute of the game. So let's let's flip it over to the other side yeah. here. You've already told us that you learned about the Chiefs defense. They have to be a little more active. Yeah. They have to try to do they they're just not they can't just play base no. against Josh Allen. Not against here. again, the Bills are different this year. Amen. Um, on both sides of the ball. Bills can protect the ball better a little this year. We've hit on, you know, um Aaron Cromer is their new offensive line coach. Their running plays are a little more creative and what do I want to say, you know, sound or right where you go, ooh, that's that's the run play you want to run against that defensive front, right? Mm-hmm. right? They, don't, they don't run a play and just go, well, we called it, and damn, they got in that front, and it's not the best, but we just run it anyways, right? They, they ran plays going like, oh, okay, well, oh, you're in this alignment. We're going to you know, have a little trap block inside, and it's going to be a huge hole. So they have that aspect, and the Chiefs came out trying to play two shell, but it was just too easy. Allen is, of course, smart. The offense is good. And their O-line is now capable of blocking the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, th- that, that to me was pretty apparent that like, uh-oh, they're, they're going to have to do something different. They can't just go, we're going to play too deep. Because they were going to die a slow death, and he was going to end up being like, you know, 38 of 45 for 450 yards if they just sat there and played coverage like they've done years and years past in this matchup. And you noted there was a late fourth and three where they confused Josh Allen, and so some of this stuff was working. Was. Um, let's take it, a look at the was. graphic on how the blitz yeah. worked against Josh Allen. Similar thing that we did with Patrick Mahomes. So he was 20 at 24 when not blitz. So that speaks to your point of they needed to do something. They, they had to. to figure they could not out. sit back. He was going to carve them apart. So he was 7 of 16 when he was blitz. So right. that's better if you're the Chiefs. But he did have two touchdowns also yeah. against the blitz. I know. It's, it's, you know again, Pick your poison. Pick your poison. Exactly right. And that's where I, I'm not going to sit here and fault the defensive game plan. Again, it was 17 points. with, um, I mean, he threw the touchdown with a minute and four seconds left in the game. So, yeah, uh, he, he, they had to do this. This was out of necessity. This wasn't one where, you know me, I don't always like the over-blitz team. Yep. But this is one where I go, uh, they had to. They had no choice. Yeah, he got burned, you know, with the Davis throw and the Diggs throw. But also within that, Okay, I mean, it was the perfect throw. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't like it was like. How could you do this and leave this guy one on one with Stefan Diggs? This is insane. What? How stupid are they? And it was. It was just his three touchdown passes were like I, just they were unstoppable. He, the guy just they didn't even have to put up their hands if they just opened up their pocket. It was going to fall <laughs> in there. I mean, so yeah, that that um, it came back to bite him in the butt. And if there was going to be one that was going to be picky on. It would be the Gabe Davis 34-yard pass because if I remember correctly, that was like a third and ten situation. Maybe was that end of the first half? I, that was uh, yeah. Was that, that, was, that was a huge drive. That was in a the huge game. Drive. You it noted was. that third and third and twelve, end of the first half from the one yard line. Exactly, and there was a number of marquee plays on that drive, let alone the third down in cut he hit um, to get off the goal line. That really, I mean, you know, was probably the play of the game mm. as far as that's concerned. There, but. Yeah, that was maybe the only one I questioned a little bit was that one right before the half just because, hey, you know, time's ticking here. It's running out. Let them kick the field goal. It's a win. A field goal is a win. And it was like like they went and were like, hey. All right, and let me say this too. We saw the stats. He was 7 of 16. I want to preface this too. He's 7 of 16. 
the bill it caught the bills by surprise the blitzes and stuff they there was the reason they went a few drives without not doing anything is they were like oh shit you know we we weren't quite ready for them to do all this stuff it took them a little while to adjust and the blitzes were you know what i like to it was uh you know cool ones too it wasn't obvious it was blitz two drop one so it was five man pressures and then they would change up the coverages behind it um but yeah i i I guess to my to that point that's the only one i question throughout the game yeah it's just that one there and and, and they were kind of ready down a distance but i can't sit there and and figure it out they were kind of ready for it too and i think you noted it was in that drive that they had seven blockers for the Seven rushers. No, at times. it was, and that was the other thing that bothered me about the play, where I would just, or I was going, I wanted to be like, man, don't they have like a check out of it? Like, oh wait, they're in a formation. They were clearly re- waiting for the pressure. It was two backs in the backfield. They had stepped up. They were going to sort it out, and they did, of course, sort it out. And that left Gabe Davis one on one, and like I said, he threw the perfect pass. But yeah, uh, I mean, there was a number of unbelievable plays and throws on that drive. The one coming out of the end zone, like I said, the in-cut, right. a third and 12. I mean, he moves and then kind of stops and then pulls up and throws the ball there. And then he, a few plays later, they're playing cover two, not blitzing, and he hits Stefan Diggs on one of his amazing cover two hole shots that really it's like him, Mahomes, and Justin Herbert, and like that's about it. They can make those type of throws. He makes that throw, and then a few plays later, there was that, and um, yeah, that was just a, that was a key moment of the football yeah, game. Scored there, opinion. and then scored the first possession right. of the second half, I think. And so yeah, and then they were off and running, but still had to come back and score late. A special tip of the cap to the offensive line. You said they were able to run the ball early, and a they tip were. of the cap to yep. the center. Mitch Morse, oh. you liked him. I, I, I've loved Mitch Morse. Anybody that knows or has listened to the podcast, even before I got NBC, he's he's um, one of the most underrated old linemen in football. Mm-hmm. He really is. You know, Jason Kelsey is always the guy that we always talk about with you know center, center, center. Mitch Morse has had a career that's it's not that far off from Kelsey. He's that's he's the same type of guy. Maybe not quite as athletic as Kelsey, but damn, is he athletic? I mean, he's a phenomenal football player. He really is. And some of those run plays that he ran, you know, let alone, you know, his ability to pass block and reasons you don't hear Chris Jones's name a whole lot in the football game and stuff. It's it's because he he's damn good. And they can do some intricate stuff of like like I was kind of telling you, like, you know, right guard block down. Now he pulls around real quick and gets up to the 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 weak side linebacker. Those are things that not a lot of a lot of centers in football can do to his level. And uh, that does give them a little another advantage or wrinkle in their offense. So you've seen this tape now. They've seen the tape. What do you anticipate the next time they play them taking away from this game? Both teams, offense, defense. I wouldn't be surprised the next game if they match up. It won't. Nothing will be taken away. Next game will be a shootout. Next game will be 45-40 or 38-34. Why? Because they're not going to get caught by surprise by any of this. It's, this is one now where it'll go into, okay, both offenses got curveballs a little bit in the game that they had not seen in the four previous, five previous matchups, and now they'll add this to their repertoire of how we beat the team, and I that that's kind of how I envision it, really. Huh. 
Yeah, if you made me call the next matchup, I think it's like a 38-35 type of football game. Totally AFC, different than AFC this one. AFC Championship game, right. 80 points. Right. Yeah, I mean, it could be because, <laughs> you know, the Bills will be ready and go, oh, you want to blitz? So, <laughs> you, you thought those throws I threw to Gabe Davis? Diggs, <laughs> we're going to watch out for this. Look at this play we got for you. Yeah. And, you know, I think Mahomes and company will have something for the three-man rush and, you know, have a little bit more like, wow, okay, their D-line's better than we thought. And we got to have some more zone coverage type of plays in our, in our repertoire as we get after them. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting because it's like this game was going to happen. It wasn't going to affect who we thought. I mean, we, they're both playoff teams. We think they're both going to get to the they're AFC Championship games. Right. They can, they're probably favored to do that right they're now. They're definitely both top three teams in football. But right what's going to be different about that game? What did they learn? You know, home field advantage could be huge. So that's why it was exactly. important that the Bills got this win. Right. But it's, it's probably more important how each team adjusts the next time they play each other, which... Probably will be the playoffs, we would think, yep. at the end of this year. Uh, all right, cool. So we thought the 49ers were going to be maybe a, a playoff team. They still could be. Yeah. Got a ton of injuries right now. A ton. You wanted to take a closer look at their game uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. What was the main reason you wanted to take a closer look at this well, game? What did you want to find out? Well, I wanted to give some respect to the Falcons. Okay. You wanted to see if it was real. Wanted to see what's real. Wanted to give a little bit closer look of just going, like, how are they getting it done? You know, I've watched them in, uh, on film and some other games, but not like as closely as I did in this one. Yeah. And um, yeah, I wanted to check that out. And then, you know, of course, anytime I see the Shanahan, Shanahan offense stymied in the run game, I'm always like, ooh, what did, what did that team do? Yep. Or what, what was it? And uh, I, I think that was the, the biggest reason that I, I wanted to go back and watch that one. All right, so let's start with Falcons good. Let's yeah. start with the positive here because we have the offensive ranks this year for the Atlanta Falcons, and they actually are are very good. Um, you, you always got to look at the competition because yeah. stats can lie. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, but rushing attempts per game, they're second in the NFL, so they want to commit to the run, but they've been very good at it. Rushing yards per game, they're third. Yards per rush, they're still top 10 there. Third down conversions, they're able to do that in the top five. Red zone converting into touchdowns, they're uh, in the top five. They're fifth there. So this offense has been able to do it. it they maximize. the competition. So they maximize. All right. And we noted the injuries for the 49ers, right? Of yeah. course. Right? I mean, they're a not, lot. They got a lot. I mean, Bosa. And you got Mosley, who's been out. And Ward, who's out. And then you got, who else was out? Armstead was out. Right. Um, so, it, yeah, they're they're on some second stringers. Some that, key spots. I believe it was nine out of the 11 defensive starters. So or, that's huge. I mean, Warner's there. still in there. Greenlaw still right. in there. So those are but the, but that's that's huge. But I, I don't want to take anything away from the Falcons because they've done this multiple times yeah. now. And so you looked at it. You looked at this game. How how did they do it? What were they able to do that made life so hard on the 49ers? Well, they're the most patient run team in football. You know, again, with all those stats and the things we're trying to compliment them on, they're still the 23rd ranked offense in football, right? So when you look at it that way, you just go, well, wait, how are they doing this? But then you start to realize, you know, one, they're unbelievable. Arthur Smith is an unbelievable game manager. And a little bit like we've talked about with the Giants and some other teams, they know who they are. So they don't try to go like, wait, I want to run this play because I like this play. He's crossed those off the list and go, but that, I love, love this play, but not with this team. We're not good at that. You know, so where, where they get you is incredible patience. They got a big, powerful offensive line. And then what they do to kind of break plays open, or maybe even like you run for three, run for three, run for three, is Mariota's ability to keep the ball off of that. Right. And then they always have a few quarterback design runs for him, too. 
that really just stress you out and put you in some tough situations. So there you are getting bludgeoned for three, bludgeoned for four, bludgeoned for three. And then, okay, let me cram it in there more and cram it in there more as a defense. And then he keeps it around the edge for a 20-yard gain. And then you're going, well, they were averaging three yards per run, but damn it. Now he went around the corner for a 25-yard run, and the average is better than what you know it should be. Mm-hmm. And then they get you into a position where it's like, okay, shit, let's put another guy in the box. And then they go, well, it, Drake London's man-to-man outside. We'll just throw a slant. Okay, I'm 13 for 13 on high-percentage throws. So they really just stick to that mold. And he never gets, I mean, Arthur Smith, Dave Ragone, offensive quarter, they never get frustrated. They kind of just go, it's okay. We got a punt. That's all right. We'll let our defense do its thing. We'll come back. We'll go right back to what we've been doing. And, you know, within that and a tactical maybe shot down the field every now and then, that's kind of how they play football. And there was a key point in the game. It was tied 14-14. It was third and 13. Mariota scrambles right there. 49ers, you noted they had the momentum, and it was they were starting to take over the game, they but were. it was Marcus Mariota making a play in a key spot, which I think if you were to poll people before the game, who's going to be the team, which team is going to make that big play in a key spot. You think the 49ers would figure out a way to do it, but yeah. it was the Falcons. That it, did. it was, it was, it's just, uh, it was, it was a huge part of the game. The 43rd and 13. Here's another one where, you know, I'll, I'll question this one. The 49ers blitz, you know, and I just want to go why they're not a very good drop back passing team. Just mm-hmm. like, that's not what they want to do. In fact, I, w- I would bet you they would have just like checked it down and been like, Hey, we're going to punt and we're going to pin you back in your area, but they blitzed. Kind of people ran by him. He kind of made one guy miss. And all of a sudden, you know, the Red Sea parted and he ran up the middle. And it was a total game changing moment. The 49ers had gotten back, you know, after the fumble by um, Wilson. It's 14 yep. nothing. I mean, they drove down the field like a machine two times in a row. Jimmy Garoppolo made some big throws. The defense got them off the field, you know, in a series. And here you're going, nope, they're going to get off the field again. It's third and 13. They're, they got him. And they pressure, and he makes that run, and it was crazy. It's like they never relinquished the momentum or the power of the game after that. From that point on, let alone the 49ers, you know, missed a few opportunities on the offensive side of the ball to kind of make some things closer, too. All right, let's go to the other side there, because you mentioned it with Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think it's pretty in vogue to whenever the 49ers struggle offensively, be like, oh, here's here's Jimmy. The tide has turned on Jimmy a little bit here. They've caught up to what you were saying maybe three years ago about Jimmy Garoppolo um, (laughs) because I think when the offense stalls, it's all all about Jimmy. But you think he actually played okay? I did think he played well. I I had no problem with the way Jimmy did. Jimmy played well enough for them to win the game. It's Mm -hmm. the defense in the run game that didn't do enough for them. And then, you know, you, you take into account that, McLeod drops a big post down the middle. Um, the other tight end, who I always blank on his name, he dropped a big ball down the middle. So there was two big drops that, um, yeah, 89, where the game was still in the balance, and they left some opportunities to go down there and get close into scoring position. Jimmy G did miss one post route that he had Ayuk. Okay, but there's I could show you the great quarterbacks in football who missed post routes this week. Mm-hmm. Let's not overanalyze that. My big thing with them, you know, his interception was bad. Uh, the second of uh, second of the two, right? The first one wasn't that bad. It was the end of the first half. And uh, he's just trying to kind of make something happen, hoping they can get in field goal position. Second one, he doesn't see the the defender kind of in the middle of the football field. But, you know, overall, this is just not the kind of game the 49ers want to play. This is not who they are. Mm. 
when they start to go to 40 pass attempts with Jimmy Garoppolo and we're having to play through him, you know, that's where, you know, they're just not as a, they don't eat up the clock. It doesn't open up some of the play action, big time plays over the middle. You know, it doesn't let their screen game, which I think is the best in football. And early on, they had it going going on. But once Atlanta realized, oh, wait, wait, like we can kind of stop their run today. We kind of got it going. You know, they were able to defend some of that stuff, too. So uh, it was Atlanta is maybe I misvalued their talent a little bit. And the one thing I like about them, too, on the defensive side of the ball, they got big people. They got big people. And the 49ers are not 100% on the offensive line. They got injuries, and they they just won the war up there. They really did. I mean, they, they both sides some, of the ball. Some ass. Both sides of both the ball. Both sides of the ball. They definitely did. Guys yes. up front, Atlanta had the advantage. They did. It's it's rare Trent to say Williams, that. Trent Williams out. Trent Williams but, out. Right. McGlinchey only played a little bit. Yeah. You know, Brendel, um, who we talked about a little on Monday, yeah. right? Yeah. Some some huge penalties and just inopportune moments that really put them back and and put them beyond the eight ball. So. You know, all those things kind of reared their their ugly head in this football game for the 49ers. What'd you make at the end of the game? Remember we had the homie that that tweeted in was like, how come Kyle wasn't doing more hurry up? Well, at the end of the game, they had an eight minute drive when they were down 14. Well, yeah, they had they had three timeouts left and he just they were just going to make sure they got the first touchdown first. He was going to do it the right way. Uh, That's all I came to is he wasn't going to. Oh, let's hurry up, hurry up and be disorganized. Just so what? We score 30, 40 seconds before we should? You know, I think he was just making sure that they were going to execute and do it the right way. There was still going to be plenty of time for them to score, get down there, make a stop, and then get the ball back with plenty of time, too. So, again, I don't think there was a need for urgency quite at that moment, uh, at least to, to the extent, you know, our homie, homie asked about on Monday. Right. Ended up not scoring on that one. Uh, turnover on on downs but um but yeah the the 49ers go down they, they got to get healthy so so they got the chiefs coming up next here uh i i don't know uh, what i don't know what their health is going to be and who's going to be available for them but they're do they hoping have, do they have any chance i think they're hoping that they can get back um bosa okay i saw shanahan's comment well, i'm I think sure they're Monday. Ho- i'm sure they're always hoping well that, yeah but. they are <laughs> but i think there was think like, at possible. least some some possibility there yeah but that would be, if they don't get healthier on the D line, yeah, they're not going to beat the Chiefs. They're, they're just, they're, there's, you just, you can't. They're just, they're, yeah. they're undermanned. And as much as I respect the depth on their team, and it's still a good unit they got up there. Um, yeah, this is a different animal, as you know, and and they're going to need everything they they got here to to slow down Mahomes and the, and the Chiefs' offense. Trent Williams could be back, Pete says. And the tight end that you were trying to think of, Charlie Werner. Charlie Werner. That's Let's never forget is. him again. Okay. Charlie Number 89. Werner. Charlie 89, Werner. Charlie Werner. His name was Charlie Werner. Uh, all right. So that's going to be tough for the 49ers. Falcons at the Bengals. So that's going to be, uh, that's gonna be, be an interesting. interesting matchup. Well, it'll be interesting. Who's a better team right now? Well, Who do you have more faith in? Well, it, it'll be interesting in the fact that the Bengals had a hard time slowing down the run game of the Saints this past week. That's right. Which is very similar here. Big overpowering offensive line and, and you know some Taysom Hill element you got to worry about. Same with Mariota, so that's where that's interesting. And then you know again, Atlanta. I mean uh, the Bengals. Uh, nothing's a guarantee with that offensive line. You know this is not a great pass rushing unit in Atlanta, but I would think they could play the game and go. We don't have to worry about you know 
our defensive line against your running game. We're, we're, we'll, we feel okay, you know, maybe compromising a little less run eggs in that basket, and we'll stop Jamar Chase in the pass game. That's where I, I do think it'll be a close game. I would be shocked if this is a blowout in any, in any way. All right, so that Falcons win over the 49ers was an upset in the NFL, but wasn't maybe as shocking when you take into consideration all the injuries. Yeah. Our next game yeah. we're going to talk about yeah. was shocking to yeah. me, maybe the most shocking in right. the NFL this week, also because of injuries, but it was the team that won that had the most significant injuries. We're talking Buccaneers against the Steelers. Steelers win uh, by two in this one, even though they lost their starting quarterback. And even though, and I was talking to Tony Dungy before the game, I was like, isn't that crazy? They didn't have uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, and they beat Tom Brady. And he goes, they didn't have Akello. He goes, they didn't have basically their whole starting secondary. Yeah. And I looked at it again, and and uh, yeah, they had a lot of guys that were that were out in the defensive secondary. So you're like, of all teams to have to go against, here's Tom Brady. They're throwing the ball once again. He threw for 350 yards the last couple of games. Um, what in the world happened? That's why we put you on this game. Will Caldwell says, was the story of the Bucks' offense and the Steelers' defense more about the O's struggles or the defense stepping up and executing? A little bit of both. All right, I think there's a little bit of both in this one. One, I mean, Steelers obviously executed. The things we were concerned about with the Bucks, right, interior offensive line, they were, they were concernable. Is that a word, concernable? Yeah. I don't know. Concerning. Concerning. That's yeah. what you want to say? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, close, close. <laughs> I just made up my own word. Yeah. They were concerning. Yeah. I mean, Hayward Hayward had and Ogan Joby had their pick of the litter as far as whooping up whooping the crap out of the guys up front. Especially the rookie uh Gattaki, right? He struggled, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. He was outclassed by Cam Hayward. So that in itself, you know, allowed them, again, like we've always talked about, or we've talked about with any great quarterback, it just allowed them to play coverage. They're always good at disguises and doing all of that. But when you can disguise and, oh, wait, make the quarterback think just a little bit with that aspect, and now it's, oh, gosh, well, I got somebody here at my legs or my feet or whatever else. You know, Brady is, that's, we know. If there's a kryptonite in his game, people around him is, is, is effective affects him more than other great quarterbacks in the history of the sport. I, I'll say that. It is. Because of his lack of mobility, you know, and his lack of real quickness there, that's not a, a, a thriving part of his game. And, you know, they were fortunate in this game that they, Joby and Hayward, whooped some ass in the middle of, the, uh, middle of that offensive line all game long. Yeah, but what did you think? Because you noted Gattachy struggled. But overall, did you feel like Tom needed to be? That jumpy didn't no, need to be that quick. Not as jumpy as he was. Mm-hmm. There was definitely some of the early pressures affected him where, you know, like you've heard me say with Rodgers, there was a few plays where I go, you're Tom Brady, man. The protection's good. You need to stand in there and make that throw right there. There was definitely a few of those plays where he was, you know, feeling the heat, thought he was going to get pressure, saw a stunt happening in front of him, didn't know if they were going to pick it up, and got the ball out of his hand a little quickly. And, uh, yeah, left some yards and a few plays on the football field. But overall, you know, this is an overarching theme I'm seeing here in Tampa Bay. You know, that's, of course, not been perfect all year. It was probably its worst we've seen in this game. And then I think when you add on top of, you know, because of that, they can't run the ball and overpower people there. Mm -hmm. And then they're just – they can't find ways to get explosive plays right now. That that's their big thing, you know. They're not like all that effective in the red area. 
And they can't, you know, Tampa Bay's been one of those teams where the last few years I've gone, oh, they're around the 30. Good night. It's over. He might throw it in from the 30. He might throw it in from the 27 or whatever. But there's none of that. They got to work their ass way down and get down into the five or the four to them to score a touchdown. And one Brady definitely not playing as good. Mike Evans, you know, I think I said this on Monday a little bit. He's 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 lost a, a step. What was that? Was that That's, your phone? Yeah, Craig over oh. there. Craig's phone. Uh, we heard that, Craig. He lost a, Evans has lost a step to a degree. Godwin, I don't think is totally a hundred percent. And those have, have caused them to be, you know, a less dangerous offense than we, we thought they were going to be. Yeah, and maybe an offensive line still protecting, but not protecting as well. No, you know, exactly weak link right. on the on the offensive exactly line. Right. And so it's all it's can't all making let people develop downfield. Their plays develop. It's making Tom Brady yell at his offensive lineman. It's like, you know, the dad that's like, I don't want to have to do this, but you're making me have to yell at you. Uh, we saw it again. He's been he's been very frustrated throwing tablets. Go Longhorns forty five says you think there's any locker room tension in Tampa with Tom Brady getting Wednesdays off and taking off for Kraft's wedding while the rest of the team is prepping for a game? And I just mentioned he's yelling at guys still. I do wonder about that. I, you know, we talked about it, I think, on Sunday. Yeah. You think there are bad vibes in Tampa right now? No, I don't think there's bad vibes. You know, again, you've heard me say this. Like, at no point did I think the rules were the same for me as they were for Warren Sapp. Or were they the same for me? as Brian Dawkins when I was on the Denver Broncos. You know, it, it, it's it's military rank. And, you know, Wednesday's off has been going on for a long time. So that's where people got to realize that. I was in New England in 2012, and they were giving him Wednesday's off. All right? So that's not a new thing. It, the media is trying to make it a thing here as of late because they're piling on to the 11 days off and training camp thing. You know, but at the very least... I mean, it's not the same Brady right now. It's it's just not. And does he seem a little haggard and, I don't know, giving off a different vibe or aura? Sure, sure. They're just, they're, they don't have any mojo right now. But I don't think, like, the team is going to look at Brady and think, oh, he's not invested. But us, I mean, I, I, I think it's fair for us to question all of it. Like, we've never seen him do this. Two days before a game, go to a wedding and hang out in New York and all that. I just, you know, again, I would never tell any quarterback to ever do that, let alone I wouldn't think Tom Brady would even do it. So I think all that's a little shocking, let alone we know the the issues at home and, and some of the stuff he's dealing with there. He looks like a guy that's stressed out. I mean, that's what he looks like to me in every press conference, right? He looks like that on the field. It just doesn't seem like the quite the smooth, calm Tom Brady that we're, we're accustomed to seeing. Well, he's never going to retire now because he's like, man, I just, everything sucks right now. I might as well just keep playing football. Um, but, yeah, they're 3-3 three and three right now, and I don't think that this uh, instilled a whole lot of confidence. Now, on the flip side, yeah. if you're a Steelers fan. Well, one more thing. One more thing. <laughs> I just want to say, too, you know, to the point of this last thing with the, the Steelers that I thought they did a good job. First off, Played some man-to-man with all those injuries, I think, mm-hmm. speaks to what I was trying to say. Not afraid of Evans and they're not Godwin. Afraid of, they're not as scary as they, as they used to be. And then, secondly, with their disguises and zones, this is another reason I just want to give a credit. This is a New england thing to do. They were incredible at getting and disrupting slot receivers off the line of scrimmage or the tight end off the line of scrimmage. So the defense end, yeah, you think, oh, yeah, he's going to rush the passer – but 
he would like jam the tight end for a second and then go rush the quarterback. And it threw off the rhythm and timing of some plays where I go, Ooh, that guy's probably going to be open, but Brady is going, wait, why is he not there right now? And he moves on. You go, Oh, well, they disrupt the timing. If he just stood there a little extra time, it would have came open, but the quarterback internal clock gets fucked up when things like that happen, you know, especially if it's your first or second read. Cause then if it's your first read, Oh, wait, why isn't he where he is? And then you go to your second read and you're there too quick. And then you go, wait, he's not there either. And it's like, well, because the first read was all messed up. You got off of it too quick and got to the second read too quick. And of course, if the first read, you know, isn't there just naturally not off the jam. And the second read is a tight end. And he's been jammed. You get to the second read and you're like, wait, 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 he's not, he's not there. And then you start to panic. So they did a good job of that stuff, and I got to think that was a Brian Flores influence in that one. Yeah, and they pride themselves in that, too. Time to throw. I think Tom Brady is among the leaders and snap to throw in the lowest amount of time. And so, yeah, half a second can yeah, be huge. that's going to be huge. That, exactly right. That offense. All right, now we flip it to no more things. To just real quick yeah. on, on the Steelers' offense, because they did just enough yeah. in this one. Um, you saw a good play design on the Najee Harris touchdown. You saw some interesting things. You were critical of the Steelers and their creativity a little bit at times, yep. but you saw maybe at least a couple good things. I, I, I definitely did. You know, they had a few little creative ways to push the ball down the field. You know, the score touchdown there, like you said, with the Najee Harris kind of knowing what to expect. And, you know, the, the, the Buccaneers who are kind of sending a blitz, you know, the guy, so it's just hard to explain. They're sending six guys on pressure. If the back goes out, one of them got to come off and take him, right? Well, they let the back come out opposite of where he lined up, right? So he was on the right side of Pickett. They're blitzing, you know, and the guy to that side, he sees Najee. He takes a second because he's like, wait, I might have to cover him. And he sees him goes away and he goes, oh, I'm free. I can go, right? So then he blitzes. I believe it's Devin White on the other side. He's not expecting it to come to his side. So he blitzes and kind of realizes it as the quarterback's throwing. Like, it's like, oh shit. Uh, and I believe it was Devin White. But, you know, good way to, again, movement, creativity, teams that's aggressive, test their communication, the rules a little bit. And uh, that, that was a, a good play overall. All right. I think it's interesting you mentioned that they're blitzing on that play against the Pittsburgh Steelers with a rookie quarterback. Yeah. Um, I think we have a graphic for that, Gabby and uh, James back there. It is the quarterback pressure rate on plays without blitzes uh, the past three years for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was back in 2020. They blitzed on what, 39%, or, or they got pressure on 39% of their plays without blitzes. That was fourth in the NFL. All right, so that's what it is. Fourth in the NFL. They were getting pressure without having to blitz. Uh, last season, they were down to 14th in the NFL on being effective without right. blitzing. This year so far, they're 20th in the NFL. They're it's not a, getting pressure unless they blitz. Exactly. Was right. that apparent in this film? It's, it's very apparent. You know, the one, the Steelers, as we've said for weeks, they're, they're, not good at run blocking. They're not bad at pass blocking. And it's definitely a thing right now with the Bucs. Uh, and I know there's no Hakeem Hicks, but it, I don't really care. I, I expected more. They are not creating the chaos. And even last year with that stat right there, right, where it's like a little down from 20 to 20. Yep. I mean, I would say that stat's a little misleading because teams last year were like, oh, shit, it's the Bucks. 
let's keep a tight end in the block. Let's keep a so they were getting the same amount of pre- really pressure, having the same effect, but teams were keeping people in the block more because like we can't block these guys, right? So that skewed the numbers a little bit as far as pressure. Mm-hmm. But now, yes, you know, and I'm sitting there watching the game, Ahmed, and I'm just going, damn. I mean, I don't know if I've really looked at a Buccaneers defense lineman yet to go, whoa, he's popping, he's popping, he's popping. This guy's catching my eye. Nobody. I mean, they're not really, you know, they're really nowhere to be found as far as rushing the passer a little bit. Now, you know, Pickett and Trubisky were good at getting the ball out of their hands pretty quick, especially Pickett. Every throw is short. Get it out of your hands quick. Um, but, yeah, shocking. And then as I'm sitting there watching, I'm going, well, let me look up the stats because I don't usually don't do that, but I'm going, I don't think there's anybody in their team that's like towards the top of football in, in quarterback sacks. And there I go. I pull up the top 50 sacks in, uh, sack leaders in the NFL. The only two people on the list from the Buccaneers, not D Lyman, one's a safety in Winfield and Devin White speaking to the Blitz. Yep. That's the only way they're getting there right now. And so the money and Tampa's not performing. That that's really the biggest thing. You know, Brady's not playing to his capability. They're not making as many explosive plays with their big money weapons out there. And this defensive line where there's a lot of assets and money there, they're not making it happen either. Vita Vea, Shaq Barrett, you know, Tryon Shyanko, who's a first-round pick from a few years ago, they're just they're not influencing the game to the standard that they've set there in Tampa. So they take on the Panthers next. Is that the is that just what the doctor ordered for the Bucks and Todd Bowles and Tom Brady? Yeah, I mean on the defensive side of the ball, it will be. They'll 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 certainly whoop the shit out of the Carolina Panthers offense, but the other side of the ball, I'm not sold on that. I'm not. I could see them having a decent day, but I, I have a hard time right now thinking Tampa's just gonna light up the sky. Any, anybody, anybody, just about anybody. But in Carolina, again, there's there's more talent there than I think their statistics bear out. Now they're a team where I'd go. Well, I don't even know where they're ranked defensively, but I'd go. Well. You'd be down eight or ten spots, too, if you had to play with that offense and you were on the field every four plays, right, the whole game. You're going to yeah. break, too. So uh, I could see them, like, making life, you know, hard on Brady and company. We get to see the Steelers on Sunday night football. They're in Miami taking on the Dolphins. Two is supposed to be back in that one. That'll be awesome to see. We don't know if Kenny Pickett will play or not. He I had to leave so, this game because of a concussion. Right. If he doesn't, though, Mitchell Trubisky... Yes. It was great at the end of the game. It was great. I mean, you almost can can make the, you know, argument that maybe I don't know, maybe they don't win that game I, without Mitchell uh, without Mitchell Trubisky at the uh, end there. He made some big time power throws. That's for sure. You know, that, that's where would Kenny Pickett have done that? I, I don't know. You know, his arm is stronger than Pickett's. There's no doubt. Um but, you know, yeah, he made a handful of plays and you know, even a, a scramble or two where you just want to good job just getting out of harm's way there. And, of course, the play at the end of the game to Claypool to close it out was was phenomenal. There was another throw that I wanted to talk about, but I can't remember which one it was exactly off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, Pickett did a really good job. He did. And it's a nice luxury for them to have. Even if they got to play the Dolphins this week, yeah, they're, I mean, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. That's going to be interesting, too. See, that Dolphins, the way they play defense against that crew of receivers, yeah. there's some interesting matchups there. All right, that's Sunday night football. And do you want a chance to win free SNF gear? Why not? Who wouldn't? You can sign up for the Sunday night football inside SMS program so you can be the first to know about the giveaways. Text SWAG to 763-622 to sign up today. That is SWAG at 763 
Participation is optional. You're not going to be forced to do this. Chris will not show up at your home and commandeer your phone and text that in. Uh, but message and data rates do apply. We want to let you know that. So you can get free gear. All right, we're moving on now. One more thing. I knew it. I knew there was something brewing in your Three head. Three third and longs at yeah. the end of the game. Yes. They converted just to bang home that point. Yes. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> that, just back in the old days, last year, the year before, you got to third and 10 plus against the Bucks. Good fucking night. Just go down in the fetal position and punt the ball. Now teams are going, eh, we can throw a first down here. No problem. So th- that was shocking. Yep. Okay. Sorry. Offensively and defense. Columbo Offensively strikes defense. again. Columbo streaming on Peacock, yes. which we reminded right. you last time. We'll take a little break from the deep dive, the treasure hunters, to go big butt of the week awards. Time to give some love to these big guys. Some it, tushes. Not, uh, not on Tampa. You know, we're not, you know they, it's nope, not, they're not showing it right not now. Performing. They've, not, they've not earned it at this point. So we're going to start with our Edge Big Butt of the Week award. And these are both players, by the way, that we've talked about already. It was almost too obvious, but hey. Sometimes you got to go with it. Give credit where credit is due. Even if we talked about him on Monday, the Edge Big Butt of the Week award goes to the Vikings edge guy linebacker, Zadarius Smith. Had a couple sacks, four quarterback hits, double-digit pressures in the game. That's insane. Double-digit pressures? So the two players ranked in the top three in tackles for losses and pressures this season... One is Zedarius Smith, and the other is Micah Parsons. Wow. The only two that are in the top three of both of those. Wow. That, that's impressive. Zedarius Smith, every game. And again, I didn't get a chance to go back and watch this, so I can't like speak to who he was whooping. Every game he's popped like this, though. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Talk about free agent signings right? that have made the biggest impact. Yeah. He's got to be in that conversation. I, I agreed. I mean, he really is. He's a force right now. I mean, it's... it's uh, after last year, back injury, all of that. So it's cool to see. And and he's definitely just check him out. He's the best player on that Vikings defense so far this year. There's no doubt about that. That has stepped up. I mean, they got a lot of veterans, kind of a fun team because there's guys who have been there for a while. Right. And maybe they're all playing a little bit better this year. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to make a run. I'm going to make me right. They're going to go. Yeah. They're going to make me right on them uh, being a playoff team. I think I'm feeling that right now. You're sitting pretty. Maybe the Jets will be a playoff team and they've got a big butt of the week award winner in their defensive tackle in Quinn and Williams led the Jets with eight solo tackles. He had 14 in total in the game. Couple sacks, the forced fumble, the block kick. He's got five sacks this season, most among defensive tackles. He's uh, just he's he's in the conversation. He's he's reached the stratosphere of you know top D tackles in football. He's a big butt of the week award winner. Yeah, so exactly. I mean, so now you know he's in that stratosphere, yeah. right? I mean, he just um, you know the, the the biggest thing is he's just winning with quickness more this year than I think he's won in any of the other years. And he looked like that from the start to me, like he had shed a few pounds. I mean, Lost some of his baby fat or whatever you want yeah, to say. Yeah. I mean, but he um, was unblockable in this football game. I mean, one-on-one, he, he every week is a, an issue. And then the rest of the D-line there in New York is coming along with him. But, yeah, he is the best player on that defense for sure. And, you know, it, it's a defense, again, that they don't want to blitz a ton and do stuff like that. They need their front four to get home. It's the Seattle scheme. And he's, yeah. he's certainly doing that. Pro Football Focus had him ranked as the 14th ranked defensive tackle this week. I disagree with that. I'm going to give 14th him ranked defensive tackle this week? Yeah, I disagree with that. I, I, I'm i just, how could that be? Who were the 13 in front of him? That's, that's where I just, I don't Half know. Half the league. I, I, I'm just, I'm shocked by that. How could that be? 
Um, yeah. Okay. We won't make we won't make that the same mistake here. Um, Pete is listing them all in our ear right now, but yeah, there were, whatever. We can look into that even deeper. We disagree here on the Chris Sims Unbuttoned podcast, but here's what we do agree with: yeah. most people, the Jets played well last week, and so you want to take a closer look at the Jets, specifically that defense and how they shut down Aaron Rodgers. So let's do that. And I'll tell you what: defenses that have young guys who you believe in that in five years they might be the best, and maybe even less than that. Maybe the best of their position. You, you talked already about Quinn and Williams, but you got Sauce Gardner out there. Mm. You've got some really good young players on this Jets defense. Uh, you took a closer look at them again for the second week in a row. You said they looked really, really fast last week. Yes. Did they look as fast or faster this week? Faster. Wow. It's, it's, it's one of those things, again, where you turn it on and it, it jumps out to you. you. You turn it on, especially if you've watched another team before that, maybe that's not as fast. You turn it on and you go, whoa. This this group here is moving at a different level. You know, they're not overly complicated. See, this is the good thing about when you're not overly complicated. You can play fast and just react and go, go, go. All gas, no brakes, like Robert Sala's theme is for the team this year. But it gave them issues in a major way. Their movement up front, you know, hey, everybody slant this way or everybody slant that way. They couldn't sort it out or deal with the movement, especially the two interior guys, Quinn and Williams. Big butt of the week. Sheldon Rankins could have been junior big butt of the week. Mm. He was also kind of unblockable in this football game. So that gave issues. Ahmed, you've heard me talk about their linebackers are extremely fast too. When you talk about the other Williams at linebacker, along with Mosley and Quan Alexander, man, they fly around. And then you got Jordan Whitehead who plays around the line of scrimmage, who I, I love. I think he's like the most underrated safety in football. So you add that group right there, aggressive psychos who, you know, just cause chaos. I I love it. I do. And that was like, not only did they cause the issues in the pass game for Green Bay and they couldn't block them that way, but it was also the run game, the run game. And you've heard me talk about this before. It was like a week where they said, hey, don't worry about shuffling down the line of scrimmage and being like in your gap, right? If you just see a hole, just fucking run through it and go and just create the chaos and havoc that way. And that's it was a little different that way in this game uh, where I felt like the linebackers, I don't know what they coach or what they said, they were just given the green light, like where you see the hole, just run through it. The running back's probably going to be going through there soon uh, at some point anyways. Hmm. And it just gave, it smothered the Packers. It gave them no chance to really run the ball or get it going at all at any point in the game. You said Quincy Williams, that linebacker, yeah, CJ right. Mosley, Quan Alexander, they can all fly. I mean, you basically raved about every part of this fate of this giants or this Jets. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Jets. It almost seemed like you're now becoming a fan of the, the Jets. I, like you are the giants, because you said, I love the secondary. These linebackers can fly. And you already mentioned Rankins and Quinn and Williams on the defensive line. Right. And then you add in LaMarcus Joyner at safety along with Whitehead. And then, you know, DJ Reed and yeah, DJ Reed and, um, and sauce at corner. And then, and, you know, like you already said, and you saw it in my notes, sauce is, Sauce is the real deal. I mean, Sauce is, he's special. He really is. To have that kind of length and then that kind of short area quickness to go along with it, you know, that, that's where it's just rare. It's usually guys like that or have more buildup speed or, you know, when they have to put their foot in the ground and then redirect, it takes a little longer than the, the corner that's 5'10 or 5'11, right? You know, 
So, but he he moves like one of them, and that's where he's different. And he's got great feel too. So the Jets not only here are at a point where they can play man to man, and they don't want to live in that, but they're not afraid to. And then they're also incredible about passing receivers off in zones too, which has always been a Seattle scheme, you know, thing. And of course, Salah came from Seattle before the 49ers. So they're very good at that way too, where it might, you know, you might think it's man to man and, oh, here comes Sauce. He's following the guy inside, but he sees somebody coming to his direction and he backs off and now takes that guy coming his way and switched it off with somebody else. They're very good in that department to go along with, you know, the talent they have too. You know, on the other side now, I'm almost going to feel bad ripping on the Packers offense because, I mean, it's a legit defense. And and a lot of offenses are going to have, even the best offenses out there, you'd think, are going to have problems with this Jets defense. Well, especially when you play the way the Packers do. All right, so here we go. So this adds to their team speed, to your point you're about to say, I think. I don't even know what you're going to say, but I think I know where you're going here. Well, we've talked about it on this pod multiple times, just Aaron Rodgers and not pushing the ball down the field, not taking the chances that they need, always looking to pass around the line of scrimmage. So we have a graphic on oh, the good. throws good. behind the line of scrimmage in the NFL this season, and they have the most attempts of any team behind the line of scrimmage. They do have the most completions, so that's good. Uh, they have the second most passing yards. Uh, they have the 14th most passing yards per attempt, so they're not getting a whole lot of bang for their buck, even on – these passes that are behind the line of scrimmage for other teams are no. going for more yards. So they do it a lot. They did it more in this game. Aaron Rodgers is looking to do it more in this game. Why is he doing that? What I, is I, happening? I really, I really don't know. I have nothing to tell. I don't know what it is. My theory is that he's protecting his little bubble that he knows is his, which is you know greatest quarterback rating, greatest touchdown to interception ratio in the history of football, you know, all of that stuff, completion percentage, all goes into quarterback rating. It's almost I, that. If you get just get, Chris, give me your theory on why he's like this. It's what he wants to do, and it's protective of that. It's like I've said this to Florio on Tuesday. It's like he knows Brady has all the rings. He's not going to be able to ever get there and be comparable. But he can come away going, but my touchdown interception ratio blows you away. My mm. quarterback rating blows you away. You know. My quickness into 300 and 400 touchdowns blows you away. So he's going to be able to stand on that. I don't know. But either way, it, this is not conducive to them winning football games or winning a championship, more importantly. He's not the guy that you fell in love with. He's not right? the guy I fell in love with. He's changed. <laughs> he's changed. <laughs> I don't know what you, who you are anymore. I mean, but really, if you're just a, a person who's listened to this podcast this past year, you'd think like, oh, Chris doesn't really like Aaron Rodgers. No, you've called him the best quarterback you've ever In the history of football. Yes. He's still one of my favorites of all time. It doesn't mean you get a free pass from Chris Sims and I just sit here and go, man, is he awesome. Even, even when he's checking it down for minus two yards and there's complete, I'm not, I'm never going to be that guy. I'm never, it's just not going to happen. And yeah, it's, I'm evaluating the team and what's wrong with them. And this is wrong. One, their offensive line's a little overrated. Okay. So that's the first thing we talk about. They're not as good. They, they're kind of feast on the poor in the run game. You know, they never run the ball good against good defenses. You ever notice that? Ever in a big game that they ever run it well on? You know, they run it well a lot of the times because of Rodgers and he gets them in the right running play and teams are so worried about him throwing the ball that it helped the run game going. But now it kind of plays hand-to-hand. Oh, wait, they're going to – oh, the run game? Oh, well, they're just going to throw it a few yards farther than they're going to run it. They're going to run it right here and they're going to throw it, like, right here. So a team like the Jets – 
They're built for that. Oh, hey, wait, we're we're simple and fast and we can just fucking fly around, pedal to the metal? Sure. We don't have to worry about anything behind us other than if we play man-to-man, he'll throw a go route. And again, I'm not totally blaming Rodgers here. Maybe it's LaFleur in the offense too. But it's the constant. Again, I don't mean to beat this in the ground, but there's six, seven plays every week. You hear me say it where I go, I, I don't know. Why doesn't he read this play out? Here's a 20-yard gain. He didn't even give this play a chance because he's always looking to throw to the back in the flat that's got leverage, right? That's what he always is. And what I mean by leverage is like, hey, my back, I'm in the shotgun. The back's offset to the left. And, oh, I noticed the linebacker's a little squeezed inside. So my guy running the flat route to the left should be able to get out there quicker than he does. And if I give him a ball, he'll turn it up for sidelines. Well, they have fast linebackers. So that wasn't as easy. Then what else do they do that? Passing people off, right? So you think it's man. Sauce is playing bump over there. I'm going to have that guy. Oh, shit. It's cover three Seattle. He came off his guy. Now he's sitting there waiting for the guy in the flat. And we got a zero gain, zero yard gain, or I had to throw it in the feet because I've, I've already abandoned the play to take the easy bullshit completion. And again, like I said, the league is set up right now for the Mahomes and the Allens of the world. They're not the dink and dunks Joe Montana 1987 football here. And they're, they're dropping the ball. He's dropping the ball. And yeah, just it's not good on that side of the ball. for them. All right, let's try to figure out what's going on here. Because after the game, Aaron Rodgers said yeah. some things. And then on Monday, Matt LaFleur Ooh. said some things in response. So right. I think we have that sound bite right now. Let's take a listen. Simpler. Simpler. Let's simplify some things. How do you view how your offense is playing right now? Very inconsistent. And that's why I think we need to simplify things. Because on the couple drives, we didn't move the ball. It was very simple things. Very simple plays. Uh, no motion. So we need to look at everything and, and, and the guys that we got and what we can accomplish with them. And, and let's, you know, let's be smart about moving forward. The plays that we had in were easily you know, understood and executable. So this is not an attack on the, on the staff at all because they put in a plan that can win football games. But the execution, when it looks like that, you know, it's not good enough. So we do probably need to rein in a little bit. Matt, were you uh, surprised to, to hear how much Aaron wants to simplify the offense yesterday? Uh, I don't know what that means. Um, it really doesn't matter what we do sch- schematically. We, if we don't block better, it's hard to do anything, and I think that was the number one issue yesterday. I mean, the first two drives of the game, I think the only motion we had was we had the halfback go around the quarterback, and they were man coverage, and the backer went flying out of the box, and we went three and out in both those drives. So, like, it, it's always somewhere in the middle of that stuff. Whoa. All right. Yeah, he didn't – he let you know. Because I don't know what he means. Because you, you don't know what he means. I, I don't know what Rodgers means either. First off, he said they want to go simple, and then he talked about them messing up simple plays. Did he not say that? I, I asked Pete and them to rewind it because I well, we didn't just play that part again. I mean, it made no sense. It's the simplest offense in football, period. Yeah, they're all aligned. Like I said, it, 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 it got beat. 
it wasn't so obliterating to where I went, oh, no, there wasn't some plays there, and Rodgers didn't have enough time at all the whole game. Again, I didn't look at it like that. But when the game is back in the flat, let me throw the back in the flat, let me throw a screen, or let me throw an RPO, I don't know how much simpler you can be. And then, as you've heard me say, there's no normal rhythmic aggression in the offense. It's back in the flat screen, RPO, back in the flat screen, RPO. Oh, they're playing man-to-man on us, bump and run. Let's throw a go route down the sideline. Like, that's that's it? It's as simple as shit. Anybody watching football that knows X's and O's is watching Green Bay on film going, their, their offense is simple. So I don't know where what Aaron Rodgers is saying there. I don't know what he wants. It's like he wants to set it up even more so he can keep doing that. Yeah, and That's, to me, what I look at. It's like he wants everybody to be stationary so he can audible to the right four-yard route every play. That's what it kind of sounds like to me. I think he mentioned, what was that, Pete, that, that he, die, he likes, uh, yeah, without motion you can have more tempo is what he said. Okay, parts of it. sure. I mean, I don't disagree with that statement. You can have more tempo without motion, right? But I motions in that to me cause more, way more pressures and pressure on a defense. You know, but again, I don't think he cares about it. I don't think he cares about it. I think he wants to go, yeah, tempo. Let me get up there. Maybe it'll simplify them because we're hurrying up, and I can throw another slant route and another slant route and another RPO and another slant route, and. That's great. And again, it's going to beat a good amount of teams in football. But as you've heard me say, really, from about the start of the year, it's not going to beat the quality teams in the game. And I think that's starting to show. Yeah. I, I, I think it's starting to show here pretty pretty apparent across the board. That's what we always say. You can learn about the NFL by watching the Chris Simpson Button podcast and learn maybe a week or two early about what everyone else is going to be saying. That's right. Because everyone else is getting on that Packers offense right now. They got the commanders coming up next. Maybe they'll be able to carve up that defense. We'll have to see. I, I mean, Passing will be tough. They're, I mean, they got to block that group this week. That'll be that'll be tough. I mean, I, Washington's defense is close. Now, where they got to win this game for sure is their Green Bay's offense. Green Bay's offense should smush. I mean, Green Bay's defense should smush Washington's offense. So that's where they should win the game. But there's just, you know, there's just too many empty yards for the Packers. That's the other thing too. You know, it's just. He threw for 140 yards in the first half, and it's like, okay, it's a pretty good first half. But what did that amount to? Nothing. Three points. Because it's all like, oh, all right, wait, we hit a go route, and now let's go back to dink and dunk or run for nothing. All right? Or, or we hit an RPO, and the guy ran far after it. But, like, that RPO is not going to fool them the next time. They're not going to miss the tackle at the four-yard point. And, and – to me, that's where, um, yeah, they're frustrating right now. They're frustrating because, you know, I like this quarterback, too. You like the quarterback? I don't get it. You like the other team, too. The Jets I at do. the Broncos. That'll be uh, the over-under on that game will be three and a half. It's going to be th- three points. A field Seriously. goal could win it. <clears throat> Seriously. <laughs> I mean, it really, uh, it will be interesting to see that game because um, <clears throat> the Broncos offense is struggling to such a degree. It's really Russell Wilson, too. Yeah. <clears throat> They Uh-oh. might be able to run the ball. You're struggling. Right I know. Now. I know. I'm joking. They might be degree. able to run the ball a little bit on this Jets D. Yeah. I think they might be good enough up front to kind of sort out the speed and get that going. But the other the other side is going to be interesting. Really, that's the clash of the Titans there. The Jets offense, as we know, they, they have explosive ability. They do. They didn't have to. You know, they played this game the right way. They knew their defense, I think, was on to the, their offense and, and could stop Green Bay. 
And their their offense really they played conservative and they just waited to take their chances and they made some plays when they had to. And and of course between that and and some of the playmakers they have, you know, it was a good way to play. They they outlast they really beat Green Bay in a game they wanted to play. They yeah. out Green Bay Green Bay in Green Bay. All right, we want to take a look at the Patriots. We want to take a look at the Browns, Whoa. a little bit of the the Ravens too, uh, and the Giants. So we got still a lot to do. So we got to move through as we get to the Peter, the Pete's Peter 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 Awards, <laughs> the Pun Awards. It is uh, he went through 124 punts this week. Looked at every one of them. Uh, 123 of them were all uh, playing for the chance uh, at second place here because the Vikings punter Ryan Wright. Had 10 punts, seven were inside the 20. Wow. And three returned for a total of just two yards. Wow. That's crazy. Seven punts inside the 20? Seven punts inside that. That's a lot of punts. You know, 10 and, punts and, in a game seems. Yeah, that game excessive. was ugly. I mean, that was an ugly game. Uh, yeah, so that is uh, Ryan Wright. You know, I, that's why I like this segment. You learn things about it's like, oh, how the Vikings are doing it. That's a significant reason why the Vikings are doing it. Bad field position for the other team. So uh, congratulations to Ryan Wright. Flyer of the week. There was no contest on this one. You saw the game on Monday. Chargers corner, Jasir Taylor, oh. a sixth-round rookie out of Wake Forest, was blocking a man into the returner who had called a fair catch. It was like one of the smartest plays of the weekend, and it was on Monday. Very aware. Very aware. Caused a fumble. Right. And it was uh, recovered by the Chargers, and that was the ball game that, in overtime. That was the ball game. It was the biggest play for the last two hours of the game. I mean, it was the most boring fucking game ever. It was weird. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, the Chargers, they, they're they're doing this disservice to to Justin Herbert and the talent they have. And and we talked about this a little last year because remember last year that well you might they played a game against the Bengals where I went they had a few sprinkled in downfield shots with their normal meat and potatoes of their offense is good. But to throw the ball four yards at a clip every game, all game long, when you have one of the best arms in the history of football at quarterback, yeah, I got a problem with that. I got a problem with that. You're letting the other team off the hook with the way they play. Oh, good. I know he's going to throw for 70%. But so what? You're almost losing to a team that you shouldn't lose to. Like So they need to open it up a little bit and take yeah. a few more shots. And uh, that's where they're frustrating. How dare you turn the Peter, Peter, Peter awards into a ripping of the Chargers Sorry, but that was strategy. an amazing play. Let me give that guy <laughs> some love, too. Jasir Taylor. Yes. Way to go. Way to go. I mean, really. Me. And great job just like seeing the guy, seeing the returner right behind him and, yeah. and going, you know, I'm going to push him into him yeah, and we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah, you want to block me right there? Who Whose fault is that? Who Who needs to be yelling Peter, Peter, Peter to get everyone away from the, the returner? returner. The returner needs the returner to, needs, but he's about he's trying to fair catch. I know, it. but he's got to realize as he's running up to go. Wait, there's some people that might be in my area here. Like, get out of the way, mm. right? And, that, and of course, the guy that blocking him needs to have some awareness of where the ball is as well. Totally, totally. But usually, no, it's the returner who can see everything, so it's on him to kind of direct some of that traffic. And yeah, it's not easy, like you're saying. He's trying to focus on a ball, look downfield, catch the ball, look downfield, catch the ball, look downfield. It's that's hard. I, you couldn't pay me to do that job. Honorable mention was the Packers corner, Kashawn Nixon, who got knocked into two Packers coaches on their first punt, then bounced back to make an open field tackle on the next oh, punt. I Never didn't see give that. up. Never give up. Right. A bold move of the week. Yeah. Pete is giving to the Patriots rookie safety flyer Brendan Schooler. He recovered a muff punt and yep. presents it to Bill Belichick. Did you see this? <laughs> I, so we have Ben Volan tweeted yet. it out, and he goes, "Here, Bill, take the ball." And then 
there are people that come up to him and they're like, hey, don't do that. Bill doesn't want the ball right now. <laughs> it was in the middle of a game. That's a... Bill's like, I have seven Super Bowl balls. <laughs> I don't need your fumble punt return ball in week six of the year. Uh, and we're in the middle of the game and it's 24 to 15. Yeah. Right. 24 to 15, Ahmed. <laughs> 24 to 15. Uh, you don't like that. Two Are we going to the Browns Patriots game? We're going now? to the Browns Patriots game. Let's start yeah. there. Okay. All right. You were talking about stat or lie at something at the yeah, end. We'll, we'll still get what to that. What is their time fucking logic for going for two down 24 to 15? Well, you have to at some point, right? It's like, uh, what are you a uh, why do today what you can put off until tomorrow type of person? Because you got to either go for two, the first touchdown or the second touchdown. Okay. That's fine. Why not just go for the first touchdown? Well, just keep it to a one-score game, and we'll get there when we get there. But keep the, again the pressure on them. But like, like, what's the point of making it a two-possession game? You know. So that's that and, is always your point: is that you feel like if you make it a one-possession game, that the other team has will to feel readjust a how they more, play. They'll they'll play differently. Definitely, they might not. Worse. They might not be as aggressive. They're gonna go. Well, shit, this is big here. I don't. I wanted to call that reverse to Tyquan Thornton, but I'm. I don't know. Gosh, damn. It's a one score game. Let's not do that and put ourselves in a bad position. Oh, wait, we're up by two scores. Let's fucking call it. Oh, touchdown. Now you're done. See you Mm -hmm. later. Good night. But it could be the reverse. You're like, oh, let's do the reverse play. Oh, crap. Why did we do that? Fumble. Boom. Took it. Took it the other way. Uh, I mean, I I, the opposite. You play a little loose, play a little too loose. Maybe if you're the Patriots, uh, I I guess, I guess. I mean, you could throw the ifs and what's about all of it. (laughs) Uh, I am always a believer again in just the you know, put the pressure on, keep the team to have to, you know, execute within the pressure of the game there a little bit. And they let the Patriots off the hook, in my opinion. I know you got to do it at some point. And I know the argument is, well, now they know what they need. They knew they would have known what they needed if they were down by eight. It was a touchdown and a two-point conversion. And the game was setting up to where they were going to get the ball back. They're going to get the ball back on that punt and be down, or they should have been down, one possession, but instead it was two possessions. So, you know, I don't know. I just don't like that. I don't like the way the Browns manage the game. Yeah, the Browns need to watch Giants and Falcons games and learn how to manage football like Dayball and Arthur Smith. They play like they're the 2001 Rams. Like they just, we'll get down here again in three minutes and score a touchdown. It doesn't matter that it's fourth and one or fourth and three or fourth and two and we have a field goal. Well, we're the greatest show on turf. We'll be right down there again. Like they don't talk about like teams that know who they are and don't know who they are. Cleveland is one of them. They don't know what they are. So this is how they're playing. Let's take a look at their rushing game log this season. Week one through all the way through week six. Week one against the Panthers, they had 39 attempts. They had 217 yards. Be like, yeah, we're a rushing team against the Jets. Week two, look at that, 184 yards. Jets defense looking pretty good right now. So that's a pretty good and 37 attempts. And they had 38 attempts. And they had 35 attempts. Week five against the Chargers, 31 attempts. And then. This week against the Patriots, 18 attempts. Now, was that a function of them falling behind early? I forget exactly yeah, the game. Yeah, they flow fell of down twenty four six. So they just got away from the running game after that. Well, yeah, I mean, got away from the running game again. Did some stupid stuff. It's three to three. It's the nineteen yard line. It's Bailey Zappi. You're playing. Kick the field goal. Go up six three. They don't do that. You know, I don't. I don't understand that. I, I don't. Now, their lack of running in here in this game, like I'm not going to get mad at them. I would have liked to have seen them run the ball a little bit more, but they weren't winning the battle there. They weren't. The Patriots D is good. I mean, it's good. And that's they, a bigger headline here then. I think so. Is 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 that first off, they have a lot of big people. 
You know, the Browns have shown the ability. They're good, if you look at that list there, at blocking the faster, smaller D linemen. That, mm. Like the Jets, that's yeah. what they are, right? That's interesting. The Chargers are that way. You know, the Carolina Panthers are that way. So they're, they're able to adjust. They showed some issues here against some, some run stuffers that, oh, wait, we can't move them the way they can or usually can. And the other thing that's amazing about New England, and I think this caught, by, caught the, the Browns by surprise too, is just the size of their linebackers. I think a few plays where they were like, oh, wait, we're going to block this this way, and our lineman will kick out the linebacker on pulling guard here, and we'll have a big hole. Not, not so fast. Not against Matt Judon and some of these outside linebackers they got. I mean, again, they have outside linebackers. Their linebackers are 270, 265. You know, they have huge people. And they overpowered Cleveland from, from that aspect and, and made running, running the ball very hard. Yeah, a lot of good things for the the Patriots here, but one more thing on the Browns. So, oh, okay, Colombo. One so, more thing. On one the more Browns, thing. Huh? One more thing. So, Jacoby Brissett. We were very positive about Brissett earlier in the year. He was yeah. doing some good things, making some plays, making some plays where you're like, oh, if Deshaun Watson was doing this, everyone would be like, see, this is why they got yeah, him. Right. Uh, Jacoby Brissett did not look so good in this game. Was not good against the Blitz. So only three for eleven for twenty nine yards and a couple interceptions yeah, here. Right. Uh, is is he taking a step back from what you saw in this game? Yeah, well, they're they're a team that's so dependent on the run. They don't tie together their run and play action pass all that well. You know, I don't find their drop back passing game overly creative. All right, so the Patriots had no problem like maybe rushing five and being oh one less guy in the secondary because I think they had great feel of like okay, well we know where their guys are going to end up in this formation. Sure. We can we can figure out the zone coverage we want. So there was a little bit of aspect of that, let alone the Patriots are good man-to-man, too. And they were like, well, you guys aren't that scary. Other than Amari Cooper, I don't know if there's anybody that really scares you going deep on that, that offense. So there's that played into their hand as well. And then, yeah, he made some mistakes in this one. I mean, the first interception, uh, was that the first drive of the game? It might have been. It was early on. Second play of the game? Second play of the game. I mean, he's got him. He's gotten Joku. Joku's got him beat. He just was too long in delivering the football. He was a step, two steps too late before he let it go. Where, you know, at that point, if he had just let it, I mean, he, he, the guy had Kyle Duggar beat by, I mean, five yards, you know, when the play was supposed to be delivered. But he, he took a little longer to get it out there and let Duggar get back underneath and got the interception. So, full credit, though, to the Patriots who yeah. were able to move the ball and move the ball with a third string rookie quarterback in Bailey Zappi. He did it again. I think we have a, graphic of him versus the blitz and his play action yeah. stuff it was all very good right. for bailey zappy in this game versus the blitz he had 186 yards against the blitz that led the nfl in week six against a blitz and then yeah. play action he was very good as well right 165 yards which also led the nfl yeah. in week six well, it's what we said monday right the browns sold out to stop the run they sold out. They, they didn't think Bailey Zappi and the Patriots offense could do this through the air. Probably not. And, you know, to like what you something you said earlier, you got to pick your poison a little bit. So they went, okay, like we're going to have to pick one. Let's let's play that Bailey Zappi won't beat us because sure. Ramon J. Stevens running up the middle through ho- huge holes is definitely going to beat us. Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's kind of where they got to. They're, they're not, as we discussed last week against the Chargers and everybody, they, they're not good at stopping the run. They're a small defensive line that's a little banged up and not totally healthy, but there's no marquee defensive lineman on their team other than Miles Garrett. And then their linebackers are small too. It's just not a great matchup for them in that in that standpoint. So yeah, they were way overplaying the run. And then 
too aggressive blitzing. I mean, just too aggressive. Uh, that's where I, I don't get it. You know, again, I'm the guy that sits here and goes, when you play a young quarterback, make him sit in the pocket and make decisions and throw and read coverages into windows. Don't blitz and leave huge gaping areas to where you make the decision for him. Oh, it's one on one. I got to throw a fade. Oh, it's a blitz right here. Let me throw my hot route. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, you're making the game really easy for him. I know everyone thinks, oh, it's it's gonna make it's gonna pressure the rookie yeah. quarterback. Did they think New England wasn't gonna be ready for the blitz with a rookie quarterback? I mean, that's where I want to go. Like, what the fuck are you guys thinking in Cleveland? You didn't think that they were gonna coach up the offensive line to pick up the five man pressure? Oh no, yeah, New England's gonna go into the game going, damn, they're bringing five. I don't know how to do that. Like, I don't know what they're thinking again. It doesn't match up to the team they are again. Once again, they play a defensive style like they got Mahomes and Josh Allen on the other side. We're like, you go down and score, it doesn't matter. We're going to go right down and score too. And I'm going to go, you're the Browns. I don't know what you're thinking here. The Browns is the Browns, and it's because of the Browns right now. And so that, as you can see, is frustrating me. You think in the second half, they're like, crap, guys, we're the Browns. We forgot that. Well, just like, how about the first touchdown of the game? For the, for the New England. We talked a little bit on a Monday. A 31-yard run on third and 10. Like, you should be happy. Kick a field. Like, make them kick the field goal. 6-3. Whoop-dee-doo. Instead, they go for the kill. They go for the kill like they're going to knock them out of field goal range. And the Patriots are ready for it. Then he runs right up the middle. and He doesn't get touched on a 31-yard run. I That's where I, I, I don't. I don't. I just don't get it that way. I don't. The Browns are um, annoying, annoying me there. And the Browns, you know, there's just, just not a plan for blitz sometimes. Where I go, what's what's the plan? Like, who is he supposed to throw to here? What what they all out blitz? The, the last interception he threw to Jalen Mills. You know, it's just like it was like, oh whoa, they sent everybody. We we weren't ready for that. So I I don't understand that. And then you know had some moments too where I understand they have to load the box, but they're undisciplined. They make they're too over-aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. And then they have moments where, you know, hey, I'm playing you man-to-man. You're the receiver, right? And they run a run fake kind of towards them, and they're looking at the run fake. It's got nothing to do with you. Cover your fucking guy. He just ran by you, and they're going to throw a touchdown pass. It's just it's undisciplined across the board in all areas. But, but tip to the Patriots. Yeah. Here they come, you know? Good win against the Lions. No who, you know, you go, oh, it's the Lions. But they, they were playing well, and the offense was playing well. Now, good win against the Browns. And now they got it going. Now they got the Bears on Monday Night Football. Right. Yep. Chance to move to four and three. And right. Here come the Patriots. That's right. The Patriots, you know, again, using September as, as the preseason. And now they're starting to play football here. And their D is, is real. All right. It's going to be really good. And then as. As we talked about this going into the game, it, it's the hottest run game in football. Now, it didn't show it this week because they were like, whoa, this team's stupid and is going to overplay it to such a degree. We got to throw it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're putting you in a bind. And I don't care, Zappy, Mac Jones, whoever, you know, they're just as long as they get efficient, solid play out, out of the quarterback position, they're going to be tough to beat. Patriots just shutting down the number one rush offense in the NFL will right. face the number two rush offense in the Chicago Bears. A little bit different. A little different. A little different. But, um, but the same thing holds true. Yeah. Passing games that are not that hard to break down to where they can put eggs in both. They can go, eh, we can play the extra egg in the run game stop basket because you're not that creative on this end. So we'll figure out how to stop that too. 
And I that's a, never a good formula. I have a feeling Patriots. you're going to pick the Patriots I am. to win this game I easily yes. uh, on Monday. One more game to talk about. You did the deep dive, the treasure hunters, the what the F happened with the Ravens and the Giants. Okay. Of course, you want to look at this game. You want to see it. You want to relive it. You want to relive what I didn't the get Giants to enjoy did it in all its glory on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's uh, it's most notable. I mean, you know, this game was close. Yeah, tell late. me what jumped out to you. This yeah. game was close late. The, right. The Ravens probably should have won the game. Right. Well, let's just go to that last play. Sure. The, the, the interception by Lamar. Right. Yeah. Ravens outplayed them. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt. But it goes into again, the Giants. You know, knowing who they are, not making mistakes. They don't make very negative plays. And they kind of just wait for you to make a mistake and they pounce on it. And they play the field goal, field position game. And they got a little bit of that like, okay, you drove down and got a field goal. Okay, you drove down and got a field goal. Okay, you got drove down and kind of got a field Oh, you, missed, you didn't get the field goal this time. All right, we, we went three and out and three and out and three and out. Oh, but now in this drive, we put it together. We scored a touchdown. So you've outplayed us and moved the ball four drives in a row. We haven't moved it yet except this drive, and here we are. We're winning 7-6. It's, it's like old-school Patriots a little bit in some ways that way. Uh, you know, uglier, but, but certainly effective in what they're doing right now. Yeah, you noted that the Giants' defense against Lamar did some of the same things that the Jets were doing. I didn't even doing. get to the last play there, but go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. That's right. <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah, we'll get to that saying. again. Yeah. We'll, we'll circle back. We will. Um, because you reminded me of something, how they're just sending guys, and they, they were doing something that the Jets were doing, sending guys into the gap and just trying to muck things up. Yes. Right? right. And they were doing that, too. Now, the Ravens did break some runs, some long runs. There's so no they, doubt. they all look kind of similar, too. They did. Um, but uh, what about that strategy for the Giants? I think the Giants were, I don't, you know, again, I don't know, but if I had to like just read between the lines of what I saw on film and watched it, I think the Giants one felt, hey, we're not the best cover corners in football, but without Rashad Bateman, I think we can kind of stay with them a little bit and do that. I, I felt that the sense really that they were more concerned with Lamar scrambling than anything hmm. at the end of the day. That was what they wanted to like not let him break loose. So yeah, that added to a lot of pressures and people doing that. And I do think, you know, yeah, I think instead of trying to go like, Hey, we're going to be in every gap in the right spot, which is almost impossible against Baltimore because one guy flies this way and a guard pulls this way, but yet they ran the other way. And so you're like always outnumbered. I think they tried to play like, let's just cause some chaos and, the guy that's pulling will get fucked up and get moved around in a way he can. And then he can't get to his block, and they did that. But that wasn't the case because the Ravens' offense for the second week in a row is really close with the run game. They're, they are – the left side of their line is – I mean, with Ronnie Stanley back and, and um, Zeitler and their center really good, you know, and, and – or Zeitler, both guards are good and powers – you start to go, ooh, wow. Their right tackle's a, a little bit of an issue when Morgan Moses got hurt and they had to wait on Skura, but Ahmed, they ran the same run play the whole game. The whole game. It was one play. Anybody go back and watch it if you got NFL Game Plus or an NFL Plus or anything like that. They ran just different ways of Patrick Ricard, big number 42, you go down, kick the – we're going to block down, block down, block down – you come kick the guy out on the end of the line of scrimmage so it opens up a little hole, and then one of our pulling linemen on the backside is going to come through and just look for work. Whoever shows, he's going to come and block him. And every Kenyon Drake run was the same run. 
and then basically ran something similar with the Lamar runs. Lamar had one scramble the whole game. All his other running yards were off quarterback design runs. So that's the silver lining for the Ravens. But the Giants, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, yeah, they let up those big plays, but they made life hard scoring them, scoring touchdowns, and they didn't let the pass game go off. And uh, that was kind of the, the good things for them. We've got a question about the pass game coming up here. But, yes, the Ravens did run for 211 yards yes. in this game. Four teams ran for 200 and more yards this past week in the NFL. All of them lost. Ravens, Jaguars, Saints, and Bears. Mm. I guess it's not all about just hitting that 200 mark. Well, no, it's not. It's not. It's it's not. And especially if you're not going to score touchdowns off of it either. Right. I think that's maybe, you know, another aspect of, of how you look at Scoring it. Scoring is still important. Well, you know, and just, hey, yeah, it's and the touchdowns are important. Yeah. You know, you look at their their drives. What did they do? Two touchdowns, two field goals. The Giants put together four drives the whole game. They scored three touchdowns and kicked one field goal. That's it. Those four drives were it. I mean, that was it. But they they maximize when they do move the football. And, you know, again, they can run the ball. We talked about it. Screens, bootlegs, their pass protection is getting better. Their offensive line is big and overpowering. So it's real that way. Denny Dimes has been rewired. I mean, rewired to, like, don't throw that ball into that tight window. It's not worth it. We'll just keep playing the way we play. And if we got a punt, fine. Don't hold the ball for 12 seconds in the pocket. Look at one, look at two, throw it away, or start moving. And that's where Dayball has, you know, made them such a better football team because they know who they are and how they have to play to win a football game. Oh, yeah. Kel Craig asked you something that you just started to answer there. What specific differences has Brian Dayball brought to the Giants offense? So he's transformed. He's rewired the robot that is Danny Dimes, made him – a little more conservative, right. play within himself. They take no chances, right? They don't. Think about them. They don't take any chances. They really don't. Don't take chances. Danny Dimes, conservative, quick passes, get it out because they're better run-blocking offensive line than pass-blocking offensive mm-hmm. line at this point right now. Do they have a good enough defense, though, for this to work long-term? I don't know if they do. It's going to still have to be a lot of wink tricks and, and stuff like that. And, of course, they have a really favorable schedule. Uh, That is true. You know, you look at the Giants and what they're going to do here in the next few weeks. They don't play a team that that you ever look at and go, oh, 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 that that could be a problem. I mean, the Giants, the way they're playing right now, you could sit there and look at the schedule and go, they literally, like, legitimately could be 9-1 and in a few weeks or 8-2. and Jaguars, Seahawks, Texans, Lions. So they could be going into Thanksgiving going, we're eight and two (laughs) and we're playing Jerry Jones and company. Yeah. But to answer the question they're they run the right plays into the right looks in the running game. They pick up blitzes perfectly all the time. They're never out coached in any area. Right. And then like, like we talked about rewiring him. Okay. Um, The run game, few little screens, and then just a few wrinkles every game. You know, okay, it's hey, it's Saquon Wildcat time. Let's throw a curveball. Or I got a cool play-action pass here that I've game-planned for them. And that. And, you know, that, that's, that's what's impressive about them right now, I guess, to answer the question. Jihad Ward on the defensive side, you wanted to give a shout-out to him? Yeah, well, I mean, just 
you know, Thibodeau with the great play at the end of the game. Yep. You know, Jihad Ward, what a career story. I mean, he was a defensive tackle. And then he became like big defensive end slash defensive tackle. And now he's here with Wink and he's playing outside linebacker. I mean, he's got to be, I, I don't know how big Jihad Ward is. I'm going to say he's 280 something pounds playing outside linebacker. I'll get to it right here in a second because I got it. Okay. But it, I mean, 6'5, 287, outside linebacker. Hmm. Right? I mean, that's like fucking weird. I don't even know what to tell you. <laughs> and then I always forget Z- 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 O'Shane Z- Z- Zimenez. Zimenez. Right? He, he, he's a, another guy that just, they got a lot of unheralded, not big names, but really good physical Playing players solid. on their defense. All right, exactly. last thing. Yeah. What happened on the interception with Lamar? Okay. Oh, you want to get to that now? <laughs> we have to. Well, what, what I don't know, here's the first thing. The snap, right? I... I I don't know. I think Lamar messed up. I think Lamar thought he called a dummy snap count or something. So Lamar lifted his leg. They had somebody coming in motion to come back. Drake was coming back. And I don't know if he thought, like, I called it on the second leg. Like, hey, first leg, don't snap it. Second leg, I'm gonna, I want you to snap it. But he lifted the leg the first time, and they snapped the ball. And everybody got off the ball at the same time to make me think that that was, you know, on one. Yeah. So it wasn't a super high snap. I can't the ball to remember. was right in his right hip. Nope. He should have caught that easily. That's, that's what I was shocked by. Because a little on Sunday, I kind of just like watching the game and the highlights. And, right. you know, we're doing so much. I kind of just thought, oh, the snap looked like it was a little off. But no, watching it back, the snap was absolutely fine. Hmm. It was just he was not ready for it. And I don't know exactly how that, you know, shook out there. And then you, you do what, uh, what I try not to do. But I do oftentimes. You take one mistake and then you make it into two mistakes. Well, oh my gosh. And then, yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah. You know, 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage on the full speed run, throwing to Patrick Ricard, who's a 290 pound fullback, like he was going to do something with it after, into a crowd of people where you couldn't have seen what really looks like around him or that. So that was, yeah, that was a bad one by Lamar. It's the worst play of the year for him so far. And again, that's where the Giants are amazing. The Giants eat clock. They stay ahead of the chains. They barely have negative plays. They don't turn it over, and they always have a few trick plays or wrinkles every game. That was my summation of them, and that's how they keep winning these football games. And it's uh, it's really it's like amazing and confusing and everything in between right now. Great time to be in New York right it now. Is. We'll end with this: our Bet MGM Week Six lines, the Giants and Jets. They're rolling right now, but. They are both road underdogs against teams with two and four records this week. Yeah. So at first glance here, we got the Giants at the Jaguars. Jaguars favored by minus three. Right. Uh, the Jets at the Broncos. The Broncos favored by two. The over-under in both those games, very low. 42 in yeah. the Jaguars and Giants game and 39 and a half in the Jets-Broncos game. I wasn't that far off. Saying it would be a three and a half over under. No, thirty nine and a half. I don't know if I've seen one that. Yeah, low. there's been there's been a few. A the few. Bears Washington might have been like thirty eight last there we week. Go. Right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very right. rare. You get the below forty. Though. Yeah, it is. It's very rare. Yes, games are lower scoring this season. That is something we should talk about. I know. I saw some stat somewhere where it's like fantasy football stats, which is basically that's all the offense. It's like the lowest scoring in thirteen years. It, it's pretty amazing. And maybe we maybe we'll break that down. It's it's hard for me to completely put my head around. I have some thoughts and things that I think are adding to that, uh, but just probably don't have time to discuss all that. I'm not shocked to see these lines. They're not shocking to me. 
The Jaguars have more talent on their team than the Giants. Yeah. You know? You know, Trevor Lawrence has struggled the last few weeks. He's got to they got to make some plays in the passing game. I guess that's the thing I look at the Jaguars, but I'm not shocked to see the Jaguars favored at home in this matchup. And then, you know, the Broncos again, like I kind of said when we were breaking down the Jets, I don't think the speed of the Jets D-line is going to affect them as much as it did the Packers. And the Broncos D is the real deal. It, they're so good. They're it's so like good. They, they've been overshadowed. Exactly by right. How bad by the, the offense exactly has been right. and Hackett. Exactly right. That defense is so They're good. phenomenal. So the weapons, the scheme of the Jets is not going to scare them. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if you made me look at that game, 39 and a half might be too much for that one. I agree. I mean, that, that one could be 16-13, <laughs> 13-10. I wouldn't be shocked by any of that, really, in either one of these I mean, the Broncos games. just played the Chargers to a 19-16 game in right. overtime, right. even extra time. Uh, the action never stops at BetMGM. You can sign up now using the bonus code SIMS. Your first wager is risk-free, up to $1,000, Chris. So say you bet 100 on the G-Men to beat the Jags. If you win, you'll get 140 But if you lose, you still get $100 worth of free bets. Great. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com. Enter the bonus code SIMS to make your first wager risk-free, up to $1,000. We've run out of time for these do stats tell truths or lies. We'll save that for next time. That, and I do think the defense, I mean, the offensive scoring thing, right? Yeah. Is worth talking about. So let's do that. Maybe next Wednesday, let's give you a break. You know, I do know you like to look at these films anyway. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind, you know, if I don't have to deep dive everything and I can just kind of watch and sit back as a a normal human being and watch it and digest (laughs) it that way. That wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad at you there. Maybe we'll have you deep dive two games next Wednesday. Right. And then we'll do uh, a bunch of this other stuff, too. Because, yeah, that's a big picture thought on the offenses. I I would like to get into that Defenses are winning the battle, right? Yeah. Right. And it just... um, why? Yeah, exactly. Why? We'll, we'll answer that question. We will answer that question. Oh, okay. I got some I got some things for you there. A tease for next Wednesday, but you're on again tomorrow. I am on tomorrow. Me and Florio, PFTPM, Picks Pod. Yep. My picks have not been very good. Don't listen to Just Chris. listen to my information. Okay. <laughs> listen to my information. I say a lot of good things information wise that I probably need to listen to myself to and go, oh, wait, I explained that team should have won, but I picked the other team. What an idiot I am. So listen to my information, and that hopefully can steer you in the right direction. But, yep, we'll be there. Me and Florio tomorrow. Amin and I back in the fold on Monday. Yep. And you, the man, as always, drink that disgusting energy drink. you got a long day ahead of you, Slugger. All right? Everybody, keep sending the questions. Hope you enjoyed the pod today. Check us out on Thursday on the Picks Pod. If not, enjoy the weekend of football. Week 7 in the NFL. Clap Clap it it up. up.